you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy. He alone is the reason we're all together. Thanks for tuning us in. Thanks for taking the time to do that. Thanks for you folks who go out there and give us some five-star reviews and, and tell other people to listen to our broadcast. We would be honored if you tell your radio stations or whatever method you listen to us, if you just go out of your way to say, hey, these guys are great. Thanks for having them. Uh, maybe you guys should listen to them too. And uh, good morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. I appreciate, by the way, the fact that you say he alone is worthy and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Because, you know, to, to, I think too many broadcasts, and I hope our broadcast reaches, you know, 20 million people someday. Wouldn't it be great? Or mm -hmm. 200 million people. But and then they start being like, God needs this. And we need this. You know, we need all the money in the world. And, no, yeah. let's just let, let God be the big God and be there for him. I yeah. love it. And, and folks, I want to thank the people. There, there is a, a, a family, especially this young lady who goes out of the way to help uh, with this particular broadcast from an electronic perspective. And, and, and I thank God for her. She knows who she is. I'm not going to mention her name. I thank God for her family who helps out sometimes. Mm -hmm. just, just know that you are loved. You are appreciated. And uh, we know that this is a big thing. And, and uh, just love that family. And uh, this one young lady is going to be getting married soon. So, so happy for that. And uh, so thankful for you. So as we look today, you know, we continue on with a verse-by-verse -verse study of the life of Christ. Today we're in chapter 19 of the book of John, verses 31 and 32. But I want to talk about a medical perspective. I know this is a little bit different, but this is what a doctor wrote for a report in college Dr. Truman Davis, a medical doctor, wrote about what the crucifixion looked like. So we'll be in the verses in a minute. I'll pass this over to Kevin. But I want to take just a couple extra seconds today and talk about this with you. First of all, the doctor said that crucifixion is the most painful death ever invented by man. And uh, so think about that. It's the most painful one and where we get our term excruciating from. So the, the mm. entomology of excruciating comes from crucifixion. Wow. It was reserved primarily for the most vicious of male criminals. And again, remember that, that Jesus uh, refused any anesthetic on wine. Some people would get hammered on wine before they went up there and stuff like that. Not our Savior. Jesus was mm. stripped naked and his clothing was divided up by Roman gods. And we know that's the fulfillment of Psalm 28, 22, 18. They divide my garments among them and my clothing. They casted lots for his clothing. The crucifixion of Jesus guaranteed a horrific, slow, painful death. Jesus' knees were flexed about 45 degrees, and he was forced to bear the weight. And I'm, I never saw this until I read this a few minutes ago. I, I knew that his... I never knew that his knees were bent at 45 degrees. And he was forced to bear his weight with the muscles of his thighs, which is an anatomical position that's impossible to maintain for more than a few minutes without severe cramping muscles, thigh, and calves. Jesus' weight was borne on his feet with nails driven through them. 
So think about that. You know, the only thing holding them up are his feet with nails. It's not your whole feet in a stirrup. It's not your feet standing on a ledge. It's, it's nailed. Within a few minutes of being placed on the cross, Jesus' shoulders were dislocated. Minutes later, Jesus' elbows and wrists were dislocated. I don't know if you've ever dislocated anything. I've dislocated a shoulder. I've dislocated a finger. Let me tell you something. We're talking about the kind of pain that you can't even imagine. So the result of these limb dislocations, his arms were nine inches longer than normal, and clearly that you can see that on the cross. So somebody getting crucified, your arms start stretching. The bones are no longer holding them together. The joints are out of joints. And, uh, and it says, in addition to the prophecy being fulfilled, I am poured out like water. My bones are cut to joint in Christ telling us. After Jesus' wrist, elbows, shoulders were dislocated, the weight of his body on his upper, upper limbs caused traction, forces the peculiarest muscles of the chest roll. So it forces all the weight on your chest at this point. Now, this is where problem starts. These traction forces cause your rib cage to be pulled upwards and outwards in a most unnatural state. The chest wall was permanently in that position for maximal respiratory inspiration. In order to exhale, Jesus was physiologically required to force his body to breathe. So understand what's going on. In order for Christ to breathe out, he had to push down on those nails in his feet to let air out of his lungs and to breathe in new air. Mm. His lungs were in a resting position of constant inspiration. So inspire bringing it in and mm. inspiring things. And the problem was that Jesus could not easily push down on the rails because of the muscles of his legs. Unlike the Hollywood movies about the crucifixion, the victim was extremely active. The crucified victim was physiological forced to move up and down the cross just to stay alive. So the process of respiration caused excruciating pain mixed mm -hmm. with absolute terror and aspiration. As the six hours of the crucifixion wore on, Jesus was less and less able to bear his weight on his legs as his thigh and his calf muscles got increasingly uh, exhausted and started to fail. In modern days, folks, we wouldn't have even made it a couple hours because of the, the fitness level being so much different. Mm. His movements up and down at the cross to breathe caused excruciating pain in his wrist, his feet, his dislocated elbows and shoulders and arms. The movement became a little less frequent. Jesus's lower limb muscles uh, developed excruciating cramps and agony. The pain from his two shattered medium nerves and his wrist exploded with every movement. Jesus was covered with blood and sweat. The blood as a result of scourging him that nearly killed him and the sweat as a result of the violent involuntarily attempts to be able to breathe. Physiologically, Jesus' body was undergoing a series of catastrophic and terminal events. Because Jesus could not maintain adequate ventilation as long, he was now at a state of hyperventilation, inadequate ventilation. His blood oxygen began to fall, and he developed hypoxia, low blood oxygen. Uh, the rise in CO2 uh, caused his heart to beat faster, so he's got the pounding of his heart. Jesus' physiological reflexes, and folks, I could go on and on, but here we sit most of the way through the first thing, and Kevin just any one of these things we just read can ruin a life and kill somebody. I'm just, you know, I've studied the cross many times, but just hearing that again, and you gave some details that I had not even thought about, like the angle of the legs. Yeah. Unbelievable, unreal that our Savior did that willingly and that he had to do it. 
And uh, what you're describing there, you know, my, I have a son that's an EMT, he was a paramedic in the military, a battlefield doctor, and um, <clears throat> he, he knows, you know, the term trauma when it comes to injury, the term trauma is talking about just the mashing and breaking and, and squishing and mangling and, and sometimes mutilating of things. And Jesus was all of that. And uh, we didn't even talk about the, you know, okay, that Roman cross was not a polished piece of wood like it's in the churches. I'm not throwing stones at any church that would do that. But, um, but you know, his, his back was raw from the scourging that we talked about, I think, last week. And now his, um, his body is being pressed up and down in active activity on the cross, and uh, he's splintering already, gush, uh, gashed things. So just terrible. So I'm thinking trauma, man, post-traumatic stress disorder. Jesus is the is the example and the hero of someone that went through trauma and came out of it successful and glorious. And honestly, Doug, I don't think there's any better way and I so appreciate the Lord giving us this opportunity to talk about the cross yeah. right now because anyone that's been through trauma should ask themselves a question. Jesus said it's okay to take a body. I'm going to take on a body. I accept this, Father. I will take on a body at the height of its physical, like you said, not like today, the height of its physical strength. He was he was a carpenter. He was in he was walked all over the world, just about the known world around Israel. As he took a body that was well kept and laid it down to the worst situation, is he said it's okay that it was in the eyes of my humanity in the eyes of the people that love me, a waste, a waste to have such a well-kept life and then throw it away like this. It was okay because it was for greater good. So I want to ask God the question when I'm in trauma, if you've got PTSD, is it okay that God would take you for all the, the effort you've made to keep yourself holy and pure and have your name dragged through the dirt? Is that okay? Sure it is. If God says it's okay, <laughs> it's going to be okay. Jesus got through it. You can get through the maligning. You can get through the the fact that you, you've kept yourself in good physical condition. The doctor said you're going to die a horrible death from pancreatic cancer. Let's trust God. Let's trust God. Isn't that a great thing? Let's just try. look what he's been through. Folks, any one of these things drag me to my knees, and I hope they drag them to yours. Hey, listen, we'll be right back with you. Hang with us. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Well, folks, again, thank you for taking the time to tune us in and be part of this broadcast today. We find ourselves continuing on with an exegetical verse-by-verse study of the life of Christ. We're going to be leaving here, as I mentioned yesterday, 
Uh, we're going to be going into Matthew and digging right back into the crucifixion and all of that discourse. And we're going to be looking at Christ's names. We're going to look at miracles that we didn't see because we haven't studied the synoptics yet where we've studied one book of the Gospels, John, which is really sufficient, obviously enough to be saved, but we want to dig in and even learn more. We find ourselves in, in uh, John 19 today in verse 31. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. For the Sabbath day was a high day. Besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with them. And I'm going to give you a little trick. They're never going to break Christ's legs. But, you know, they, here they're, they're preparing for the Sabbath. And here they are. They're not worried about these guys dying, but they want, again, that action. When they break their legs, they want them to collapse down and not be able to breathe and die faster because the religious people, they want them down. They don't want to be, hey, we're these wonderful, compassionate, responsible people. And by the way, we killed three people yesterday. We crucified them. And the worst thing that man ever devised to kill people with. And uh, so let's go ahead and break their legs and make it a quicker death, you know, and, and it was impossible at that point for these people to support themselves when they had their legs broken. Uh, again, the legs are completely broken. Uh, you know, I'm blown away that they're worried about the Sabbath. I'm blown away. So many things. And we find ourselves in our life saying, well, we want to make sure that we look perfect on Sunday, that we do the right things, that we say the right things, that we do all that. I want to make sure that my heart is right on Sunday. And, uh, you know, the concern for the Jewish leaders with their rituals. Folks, I was raised in rituals. I was raised in, in steps. I was raised in a work salvation. I was raised. In, I don't need that anymore. I have a Lord that died for my sins. There's no work I can do on this side. Um, it, it, I think I'm going to bring honor to my Lord by helping people, by working, by doing the right things, but it has nothing to do with my salvation. It was finished right there on the cross, friends. And, and just understanding the severity of this crucifixion and, 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 and putting it in your toolbox in the back of your mind just the severity, knowing what Christ went through, the extreme suffering. As a matter of fact, what I may do is uh, post, um, I may just go ahead and post the address, the website address, so you guys can look at that, the Helpful Wounded Spirits Facebook page. And, and again, fulfilling the prophecy. Uh, we're going to see here, we, we know in Exodus, we know in, in Psalm 3420, it's foretold that none of the bones of the Passover lamb which is foreshadowing Christ can be broken. We see that coming in the control timing. Even the events going around Christ is God controlled every second. God controlled every moment. You know, those soldiers went out there and they broke the first one and they broke the other one. They left Christ alone in the middle. We're going to see a little bit about that, why these things happen in just a little bit. But again, this is providing insight to us uh, about what's going on there at the crucifixion. Now, this isn't a place you take the family to come out and look at these things. This is horrible. It's mm -hmm. horrific. Unfortunately, the religious leaders came out. Um, unfortunately, Christ's earthly family came out, and those who loved him spend eternity with him. But, Kevin, this is a, wow, the most severe is severe. Yeah, I heard a song on the uh, <clears throat> app or, or somewhere not long ago, something like Keep Your Eye on the Lamb, and it talked about a, uh, it was one of these reading between the lines songs, yeah. but, you know, the family of Simon of Cyrene that was, was pressed, compelled to carry the cross of Jesus up the hill that, um, 
you know, what's happening? This is so horrible. It's, it's the children that were kind of forced to watch this because they were with their daddy and just happened to come upon this thing. And I tell you, there's there are times where we are just suddenly faced with stuff and uh, what are you going to do about it? And in those times where providence has landed you in trauma as as being traumatized or next to trauma it's it's this is a big thing it's a big thing so what this is what i'm thinking doug while i'm looking at this passage of scripture it's preparation for the sabbath day preparation for this this big time of rest things everything's got to change and so they don't want people working their jobs you know the blue laws were in effect so to speak and and so um Let's get the guy off the cross today, right now, as early as possible. You know, we're, we, you know, basically sweep the work area clean quick. We're shutting down early. Close the business is coming early today. We're shutting down early for for the uh, holiday. And oh, okay, Jesus is still up there in the cross, and we got these other two guys. And uh, go break their legs just to make sure they really are dead. You know, and hasten it if they're if they're not. They come to Jesus. He's dead. So number one, there's no doubt about it. He's dead. I mean, these gar these guys knew how to pronounce a guy dead. And uh, they didn't break his legs because he was dead. So he didn't swoon. He was really dead. And then uh, secondly, it's amazing that he, Jesus Christ, would be so relegated to that which had to be just kind of gotten off the stage quick. He was like a prop that had to be, you know, quick, get that off for the, you know, the change, the scene's changing. We may get, look bad. Yeah. Yeah. We may look bad if he's, if he's out there, let's, let's get him off the stage, you know? And, um, I think it's a very difficult thing in life when you are at your worst suffering, nobody cares. And they're just like, yeah, okay. Right, right, right. Well, break this guy's leg. You know, have you ever been in a situation when you're on a job, when you're, you know, you're working, you want to get a promotion, that kind of thing. All of a sudden, you get a pink slip. All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, we're having a realignment, and we're getting rid of middle management. I remember working jobs where they're like, yeah, we're, we're doing some things, and, and we got to make some changes. You didn't make the cut. You know, basically, you're in a job position that has to be taken away. Whatever the reason is, it's a hard thing when you feel like you've pouring your life into something, and suddenly you're like, get them off the stage. We just, you know, we're, we're making some changes here, and you got to go. That's that's traumatic, and it's traumatizing and, and here's Jesus having laid down his life. He literally paid for people's sins to give them rest. And they're like, okay, we got to have rest day tomorrow. Get them off the stage. Just unreal. And I that I want to keep that in mind, Doug, when I go to places that are dark. I remember I spent a month or two in Canada at one time. But I've been there several times. But one time I was there a couple months running around Canada. We went out door-to-door witnessing. And the darkness and the... It, ignoring the willful ignorance of of the fact of Jesus Christ's claim upon people's lives and, and this the secularness the fact that these people literally it is the farthest thing from their mind and their culture that there is a savior that died for them and then i stop and remember yeah that's the way i was before i got saved that's exactly what it was like and I needed to come to terms with it. But Jesus Christ, like our theme was at the beginning of this broadcast, the degree of his suffering was so horrible that it was uh, the worst suffering imaginable was chosen. And then afterwards, it was just blown off immediately as being totally insignificant, 
get them off the stage. I don't want to be that way, Doug. When I get around people that are in darkness, I want to bring the cross to bear. Hey, do you realize someone died for you? If you knew Jesus like I knew Jesus, you'd wake up to the fact that this isn't something you can just ignore. And the Bible says that we should reason with them open and allege that Christ must needs have suffered and to rise again the third day, that it's a necessity that people are going to die in sins and go to hell if they do not have the sacrifice for sins. And the Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 10, that um, they will be, if without Christ, you'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the alternative without accepting the torment of Christ for your sins. What a mighty God we serve. And and, and folks, so you got this hypoxia going on. You have hypercapnia. So essentially what happened, too much CO2, too little oxygen. He, his heartbeat faster and faster led to a tachycardia, heart attack type of thing. His heartbeat faster and faster. His pulse rate is believed to be up in the 200s. That's what our God did for us. He hadn't drank anything in 15 hours at this point. We sure do love you folks. Listen. Come on back tomorrow. We're going to be talking more about Christ, the crucifixion, and how you can apply it to your life. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, Recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.